presence. You inhabit our praise. You are here. Your spirit is ready to speak to us out of your great love for us. And I ask God right now in Jesus' name that out of your love for every person in this room and out of your love for us corporately, would you lead us, teach us, equip us, and transform us? And we ask for it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Well, you guys, it, uh, this is a perfect example because in life, in this life that all of us live, there are so many things that don't go the way that you want them to go. <laughs> right? I mean, this is just life. They don't go as you plan them to go. They don't go as you expect them to go. And definitely don't go the way you want them to go. And this is true with God. This is true with all of our experiences of God. There are things that happen that are out of our control, like this whole billing thing. It's actually out of our control. And so we just have to kind of go with him. Illness is out of our control. It just happens. One of my dear friends yesterday lost his mom unexpectedly, yesterday. That stuff happens, and it's out of our control. And sometimes God's ways, that, not just that are out of control, but sometimes God's ways are just not our ways. <laughs> In the way that we want to do things, in our will, he goes, yeah, that's, that's not my way. He's very clear. My ways are not your ways. You know, so we talk about money here because what God thinks about money and what we think about money is usually pretty different. We talk about sex because God's idea of sex and our idea of sex are really different. Sacrifice, servanthood, there are so many things about him that we butt up against. But here's the question. How do we respond when our will is not God's will? How do we respond? We really have two options. Now, there's, there's not a human in this building who hasn't responded this way. Frustrated, angry, depressed, scared, and obstinate. And you have a chance, and you can live your life that way. You can live frustrated and angry and depressed and obstinate in your heart when your will and God's will go like this. Or you do have another option. You can actually be at peace. You can actually be content. You can actually be confident. And you can be free. And you can be willing when God's will and yours butt up against each other. But it doesn't just happen with God. It happens with each other too. We definitely happens in our relationships with people. What causes fights and quarrels among you? What happens is when you have desires inside of your heart and you don't get what you want. When you don't get what you want, then quarrels and fights. By the way, that's not just my idea. That's right from the scripture. That's the book of James. God knows. So we have the same problem with each other. When my will is thwarted, when I don't get my way, because all of us believe that our way is the right way. And so what happens? Now, I want you to think about, I want to think about your marriage. I want to think about you, your kids and kids. Think about the way you handle your parents. Think about your workplace. Think about right here at church, okay? When you're not getting your way, what do you do? Do you argue? Do you complain? Do you question? Do you fight for what you want? Do you fight for what you think is the right way? And all of us, the emotional energy that is spent in anger and frustration and disdain. And then the result is always division. It's always division. When I want my way and you want your way and we clash, 
and we get angry and get frustrated with each other, then marriages split up, friendships split up, churches split. I'm telling you, man, it's not great living, you guys. <laughs> Think about this. You, if you need your way with God, you are going to live a very frustrated, very angry, possibly depressed life. And if you need your way with another human being who needs their way, you are going to live frustrated and angry, and you're going to see relationships dissipate. It's not great living. And all of us have it. Well, this series, we're titled Training for Greatness. <laughs> we want great living. We want godliness. That's what we learned last week. So 1 Timothy 4, 7 says, train yourself to be godly. And we said, why? Because physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. In other words, if you train yourself to be godly, it's worth it. It holds promise and value for everything that's going on in your life right now. So 2 Peter 1.3, this is kind of a recap of last week, says God's divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Guys, look at this. You and I today, and that's why I love that, that, that last song we sang about new wine, that God can actually do, give you a new wine, new life, new power. You have divine power today to actually be able to live a godly life, a life that's worth it. How? When you know him, when Jesus Christ gets in your life and you get in his life. And I love this glory and goodness. Jesus wants to bring his glory and his goodness into your life. So today's message, what's godly? If we're going to train ourselves to be godly, what is godly? Let's look at this passage, James chapter 3, verses 14 through 18. Super fun last week because I mentioned this verse a couple weeks ago. And last week, a dad and his daughter came up to me and they memorized this whole passage. Isn't that cool? <laughs> they came up and they said, and they just blissed it off. They're like, okay, because we're going to do this. But let's look at this. What's godly? If you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, in other words, if you want your way, don't boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven. It's not godly. It's earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder, and we know that in all of our relationships and every evil practice. But the wisdom, okay, so that's point... <laughs> Anybody need any clarification on that? Do I need to teach the Greek on that? No. When you need your way, it's demonic. It's unspiritual. It's not godly. So if we're going to train ourselves to be godly, then verse 17 tells us what that's, what's that like. The wisdom that actually comes from heaven, that's godly, is first of all pure, then peace-loving. Now let's take a look at some of these words. It's considerate. Now, if you're considerate, what does that mean? That means I'm actually considering you. I'm not just thinking about me. That's godliness. It's submissive. Now, submissive means I actually want your will more than my own will. 
It's full of mercy. We talked about that two weeks ago. What's mercy? It's when you're moved with deep compassion to action to actually care for somebody else's need, not yourself. It's, it's full of good fruit. It's impartial. And if you're impartial, again, that means I'm not thinking about myself. I'm actually thinking about us. I'm thinking about you equally as I am me because I want us to have the best. That's godliness. And then it's peace-loving. And peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. And again, what's righteousness? It's when things are as they ought to be. And that's godliness, you guys. So this is what we need to train ourselves to be. Considerate, submissive, mercy, impartial. So I actually put this slide up here. I just want to kind of look at this together. Isn't it great? There we go. Okay? Selfish ambition versus selfless submission. Okay, the next one. I want versus you can have. Number three, my way versus your way. And the last one, demonic or godly. Okay, just soak that in for a second. When you have selfish ambition and I want and I got to have it my way, it's actually demonic. But we're going to train ourselves instead to have selfless submission. We're going to train ourselves to say you can have. We're going to train ourselves to say your way, not mine, because that's what's godly. Now, I want to tell you, man, this is crazy. Here, just real quick, the other reason we're going to do this is because this is what Jesus was like. And we want to be like Jesus. If we want to be godly, we want to be actually like Christ. And Christ was crazy. He actually, the Bible says, he, Jesus said, he goes, I have food that you guys know nothing about. He goes, my food, the very thing that sustains me, is to do the will of my Father and to finish his work. That's the most important thing to me, he says. And then he says this crazy thing. He says, I don't do anything on my own. He goes, the son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his father doing because whatever the father does, the son also does. So if, if our mission here at K2 is to invite you and to equip you to live out the adventure of following Jesus then we need to understand something about Jesus. He does nothing on his own. Here's what Jesus is saying. He goes, if, 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 you, if I come into your life, my spirit that I'm going to put inside you is submissive. I'm going to help you be submissive. Aren't you guys excited? <laughs> yeah, no. See, this is a great message today. And then he says this, if you actually want to follow me, look at these verses, Mark 8, 34. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. So here we're saying our mission is to help you live out the adventure of following Jesus. Jesus says, okay, well, if you, well, if you actually want to look like me, because that's what a disciple is, then you have to deny yourself. And you have to take up your cross and follow me. Now, why does he say that? He goes, because that's what I do. Jesus says, I deny myself. I take up my cross. I always do what my father tells me to do. I live a completely submissive life. So if you want to follow me, then that's the way it's going to go. And then Luke 14, 27, he says this, and whoever does not carry their cross and follow me can't be my disciple. You can't do it. Here's what he's saying. You can't actually join the mission. 
If you won't, deny yourself and take up your cross and follow me. So I want to tell you, because I could tell by all your laughter, and I'm just going to be totally honest with you in prepping all week for this. This is hard. <laughs> and there's nothing inside of our natural being that's going, woohoo, right? I'm so glad I showed up to church today and figure out how to be submissive. This is awesome. But here's what he's saying. If you don't, you can't be on my mission unless you live this way. So to train yourself to be godly, you guys, it's to train yourself to be submissive. So here's our phrase today. This is what I want you to go home with today. Our mission, should you accept it, is submission. Our mission is submission. And I'm not kidding. I walked in earlier this week and my kids were wanting to watch a movie and they had a good old, old Mission Impossible movie on there. And I just watched the very beginning, right, where Tom Cruise finds out this is your mission if you choose to accept it. And it's called mission what? Impossible. And I think this feels impossible, that I could actually live a submissive life. But I'm just going to tell you, our mission is submission. Now, what is submission? Okay, this is interesting. There's two words here. Mission. And when you're on mission, that means there's an important goal. If you're on a mission, there is a calling. But the word sub means what? Under. Submarine. That means you are under. So if you are submission or submissive, you are actually under somebody else's mission. That's what submission is, and that's how Jesus lives. So to accept or to yield to the will of another person, that is what Jesus is actually saying is life. This is your life. How many of you believe that? Okay, that's what I thought. We got one hand over here, two. Okay, I, I'm just going to tell you point blank. Thanks for, thanks for answering honestly. The truth is hardly any of us in this room actually believe this because every one of us every day wants our way. And it's not godly. So we got to train. This is going to be tough. All right? So I thought about this. I thought about the Navy SEALs. Um, in the last couple years, two of the leadership books I read were, had a lot of stuff to deal with the Navy SEALs. Okay? Um, so uh, the first one was uh, Culture Code, which had some great stories about that. And the second one was called Extreme Ownership. Now, when Navy SEALs, so think about these guys. Navy SEALs are on a mission, and their missions are, that they undertake are the most intense, the most difficult situations. It is life or death for them, and so they train. They train intensely. Now, they train for greatness because these are the Navy SEALs. They're the top of the game. They are the greatest people in the Navy, right? So how do they train? When you read this book, one of the trainings is called Log PT. So go ahead and throw this picture up here. You can look this up. Actually, go home and watch some videos. I was going to try to show you some videos, but we don't have time. But this is Log PT. So you get five guys, and they get one of these logs. They're 10 feet long. They weigh 250 pounds. And you have to do Log PT exercises for an hour and a half. And what they do is they'll make them stand and hold them above their head with arms locked. 
They have to take them from shoulder to shoulder, back and forth. They have to carry them. They have to roll them. They have to kick them with their feet. They have to go into the ocean with holding these things. They have to do sit-ups with them nonstop for an hour and a half. I mean, it is intense. Look at this next picture. I love this. So three guys on each side and then another guy holding in the middle. But here's what you notice. Then you have your commanding officer, right, who's watching every piece of this. Now, why do they do this type of training? And if you listen to these guys, this is the most grueling, intense thing that they go through. Here's why. Number one, when they're over in an actual Navy SEAL operation, there's two things they know. Number one, if they don't listen to their commanding officer immediately, they die. Either they die or somebody else on their team will die. It is life or death. The commanding officer can't give you an order and you go, yeah, I don't know. I don't really feel like doing that. If you don't feel like doing it, you're not a Navy SEAL. So they train you over and over and over and over to the point where when the commanding officer speaks, bam, you move. That's the first thing. The second thing is, if you're a Navy SEAL, you must work together as a team. Every operation involves the team. So you can have zero selfish ambition. You can have no self-interest if you're on this team. Again, if you show yourself to be thinking about yourself and not for the team, you can't be a Navy SEAL because they know this, the operation will fail. And if they fail, it's life or death. So in the book Extreme Ownership, the writers who were Navy SEAL heads, they said, you must believe in and trust the cause, the plan, the team, and the leader. And you know what I realized about these guys? Are these guys tough? Holy smokes. <laughs> Their mission is what? Submission. Their mission is submission. They live for something way beyond themselves. They live for each other. And they live to do whatever their commanding officer tells them to do. All right? So we're going to look at two things here. How do we train ourselves to be submissive? In two ways. We have to learn how to be submissive to God, who's our leader. And we need to learn how to be submissive to each other if we're ever going to experience the goodness that God has for us. All right, let's look at the first one, the submission to God, the leader. Hebrews 12, 9, 11 says this. We've all had human fathers who disciplined us and we respected them for it. Now, again, just real quick, that word discipline doesn't mean when we were bad, we got spanked, okay? The word discipline means a good dad is someone who trains, disciplines, teaches. It's the word for full instruction of your child. You make your children do things they don't want to do. That's what a good father does. How much more should we submit to the father of our spirits and live? Because they disciplined us for a little while as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good in order that we may share in his holiness. So God is saying, you can be godly. You can be free. You can have love and you can have joy and you can have peace and you can have patience and kindness. You can have 
the very spirit of God in your life today. And, he go, and here's God. He goes, and I want you to share in my holiness, so I discipline you. Now look at this. No discipline seems pleasant at the time. My kids love discipline at my house. I don't know what that's talking about. No, I mean, we whine and we hate it. And we're like, oh, are you kidding me? And that's what we do with God too. It's painful. It's painful. That's what this Navy SEAL, their operations are painful and it's suffering. But look at this. But later on, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who've been trained by it. You guys, hear you hear? Righteousness and peace. Righteousness means we can actually be as we ought to be. We don't, and peace. You don't have to freak out. You don't have to get frustrated. You don't have to get angry. You don't have to be bitter. You don't have to be obstinate when your will doesn't get done. You can actually be trained in such a way that you are sharing in Christ's likeness, in his holiness. And if you finally get trained in that, you can be at peace. How many of you would like to be at peace? How cool would it be if when your will is in conflict with your spouse, you let them go and you're at peace? Wow, that'd be awesome. And the same thing with God. Now, the next verse, James 4, he says this. So submit then. Submit yourselves to God. Resist the devil. And what's the devil? What's demonic? Selfish ambition. Resist it. When you feel the thought inside your head that says, no way, man, this is right. And I'm going to fight for what's right. No, this is what I want. That's selfish ambition. And you resist it. You resist that thought. You take every thought captive, the Bible says. Every thought captive, you take it captive to Christ. So the next time it comes, you say, I'm going to fight for my thing. No, I'm not. The next time God actually speaks to you, submit yourselves to God and resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come near to God, and he will come near to you. Humble yourself before the Lord, and he will lift you up. Okay? So, now why in the world are you and I again, this is so important, are we going to submit ourselves to God? Because we have to believe it's worth it, you guys. We have to believe that God's will is good and pleasing and perfect. We have to believe that he alone knows what's best for us, that he knows the plans he has for us. They're not to harm us, they're to prosper us. We have to believe that that goal of actually experiencing God's will is worth it. That there will be a harvest of righteousness, that there will be peace no matter what in my heart. And that if I humble myself before the Lord, he will lift me up. I don't have to fight for that. He will lift me up. So how do we train to submit ourselves to the Lord? How do we do this strict training? I'm going to give you three simple things. These are very practical things, ways that you can train yourself to actually submit to the Lord. All right? Number one, Confess every day. Confess every day. And I, I, I've, so these are practices that I've been trying to do for years, okay? Here's what I mean by confess. Sit down with God and ask him two questions, okay? Every morning, try this. You can do this this week. God, is there anything yesterday 
that I did that you didn't want me to do? Just ask that write, that, write this one down. Is there anything I did yesterday that you didn't want me to do? And I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit, you'll, your memory will come, you'll prick and you'll go, ah, oh, okay. Yep. And then you confess it. Because you're submitting yourself and saying, I only want to do what you want me to do. So is there anything I did yesterday you didn't want me to do? Here's the second question. God, is there anything I didn't do that you wanted me to do? Is there anything I didn't do that you wanted me to do? I, I, I read somewhere a week or two ago, and somebody said, when every time you and I say, no, Lord. Yeah, thank you for laughing. Do you guys get that? Like, no, Lord? Like, that's a, you can't say that. If he's Lord, then you say yes. When you say no, Lord, it means he's not your Lord. Something else is, and it's usually your selfish desire. It's usually what you want. So I'm telling you, if you want to train yourself to be godly, just wake up every morning and ask those two questions. God, is there anything I did yesterday you didn't want me to do? And is there anything I didn't do that you wanted me to do? And then you ask for forgiveness, and he says, I will be faithful and just, and I will forgive you, and I will cleanse you from all unrighteousness. See, so when you did your own thing instead of God's thing, that was unrighteous. But he cleanses you from that. See, so what is a spiritual training? Remember last week, you guys, spiritual training is when you do something and it actually puts you in the avenue to receive God's grace. And when you are struggling to say yes to God, you got to get in the avenue of his grace in confessing the truth that I don't do what you want me to do and I do what you don't want me to do, God. You get it out and he forgives you and he cleanses you. Here's, here's one cool thing. Every one of you in this room can do that tomorrow. That's a very good first step of spiritual training, to train yourself to be submissive, because that's godly, and it'll bring life, okay? Here's the second practice that you could do, and this is for some of you, this would be the next step, okay? You really, <laughs> it's so funny, I've been up here for 15 years with you guys, you really need to read the Bible, Okay, just didn't know if you knew that or not. Just wanted to tell you. Why? The Bible said, the word says, all scripture is God-breathed. In other words, all scripture came from the very life of God. Now listen to this. And it's useful for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, and for training in righteousness in the way that things ought to be, so that the person of God can be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So, so here's, and this is why this is so important. So I do, almost every morning, I mean, we do, and I have my three buddies, I have four guys actually, and we text each other every day the scripture that we read that morning. That's, that's, that's my last point, because you have to do this together. Because if you don't, you just won't do it. So we text each other every morning the scripture that we read and what it spoke to us and what we're going to do about it. Every day. That's spiritual training. Now, why do you have to read the Bible? Because you are transformed by the renewing of your mind. You are transformed by the renewing of your mind and your thoughts are not God's thoughts. And so you literally have to open up his word, which is living and active, 
and read it and say, what does God actually say is right? <laughs> what does God say is true? What does God say is life-giving? It teaches you things you don't know. It rebukes you. In other words, it tells you, stop doing this. And God will tell you what to stop doing. It corrects you because so many of our thoughts are just goofy about God or about life. or about, And it'll correct you. And it trains you. It will tell you what you should start doing. And I want to tell you, man, every morning, if you want to spiritually train and be submissive to God, then every morning you just get up, and I do, and I just say, okay, God, I am so ready. I want your life. I want to be godly. I want love and peace and joy in my life. So teach me, rebuke me, correct me, train me in what is as it ought to be. And then you do what he tells you to do. I'm telling you, that is a spiritual practice. Now, last week, if you were here, we had... Um, Tyler and Olivia up here who, who danced with Ballet West, still one of the most fascinating things to me was Tyler has been dancing for 20 years. 20 years! He's a principal soloist at Ballet West. And still, every day for an hour and a half, they go through this basic ballet class. For 20 years every day. Do you wonder why Tyler's great? Because that's what he does. And if you want to be, if you want to train yourself to be great, if you want to train yourself to be godly, then every day, every day, God, what did you want me to do? Anything I did, you didn't want me to do. Anything I didn't do, you wanted me to do. And then every day, open up the Bible. And please, we can help you guys with this. Get in relationship, because that's the other thing. Do it with each other. If you don't know how to read the Bible, man, Come to our connections table. Come to the Life Together table. Get in relationship. We'll connect you with somebody who will help you to know how to do this so that you actually hear from God and do what he tells you to do. All right? So there you go. If you want to be training, our mission, you guys, our mission is submission to God. Okay? And on the other side of that is life. Now let's talk about submission to each other because that's the other mission we have to be on. If we're going to be, our mission is submission to each other, to the team. So Ephesians 5.21 says this, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Now that word actually reverence is fear, out of fear for God. And I, I, and I can tell you, those Navy SEALs, as tough as they are, they fear their commanding officer, right? I mean, they, whoo, like whatever you say, dude, I'm doing <laughs> Well, out of reverence for Christ, in other words, what you can really put in there is if you submit yourself to Jesus, then he tells us to submit to one another. So out of reverence, out of submission, if I'm going to train myself to be submissive, if, if my mission is submission to God, then he says, then here's how you live it out. You submit yourself to one another. What do you say? As I have loved you, love each other. How did he love us? He gave up his life for us. He laid down his life for us. So we do that for each other. He gets down and he washes his disciples' feet. He lowers himself. He submits and actually washes their feet. And then he tells them, hey, no student is greater than their teacher. So if I get down and wash your feet, 
then you should wash each other's feet, okay? So out of reverence for Christ, if he's my Lord, then the way I live that out, I train myself to be godly by lowering myself to you. That's what we do. Philippians 2, 3, and 4 says it so well. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Come on, man. Nothing out of selfish ambition. Why not? Because it's what? Earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. It is the devil's way to think about yourself first. So don't do anything with selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself. There's a very definition of submit. Because when you're sub, you're under. So this is the Bible's teaching, you guys. This is, this is so different than human nature. It's so different than the world. Not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interest of the other. That's the definition right there. I yield to the will of another. Our submission, our mission, I'm sorry, is submission to each other. Now, let me just say real quick, why do you train any of these trainings that we're going to talk about? Any spiritual training on the other side has a corresponding freedom. The only reason you do this training is that because there's freedom on the other side. What's the freedom that corresponds to training for submission? The freedom is from the terrible burden of always needing to get your way. <laughs> Come on, man, how frustrating is it? To, and some of you, that's you, that's me. And when you don't get your way, again, it just produces. So, so if you can train yourself to actually be submissive, you train yourself to have the freedom to be at peace no matter what God does, no matter what your spouse does, no matter what your boss does, you can be at peace. That's the freedom that he wants to give us. And what's the result? It's righteousness. Your relationships actually will be as they ought to be. I tell you, I love premarital counseling. I love it, I love it, I love it. I really could do it in like five minutes. Or no, I could do it in one minute. You guys want your one minute premarital counseling? Think about your wife more than yourself. And, and Susie, think more about me than yourself. There you go. Try that. See how that works. I, I'm telling you, that's it. Lift the other person above yourself. And if the other person's doing the same thing, it works. It's righteous. So train yourself to do it. All right? So how do we do that? How do we train ourselves to be submissive to each other? Let me just give you some general ideas, okay? Because I actually think we need to practice this. Here's some general ideas. Here's some things I'm actually trying myself, okay? Let others go before you. Okay, I'm, here's one thing I'm trying. It happened to me this morning on the way here. When somebody puts on their blinker and they want to get in, instead of going, mm, <laughs> slow down and let them in. I'm telling you, that works. It, it, I mean, because I can feel it. Anybody else? Yeah. I mean, some of you are gracious and kind. That's wonderful. I, I, I guess I'm not. And... But I literally, I have been training to submit what? That person's will is to get in. And so when I let them in, because we've all tried, right? What happens when you put your blinker out and the person slows down? You go, oh, thank you. Give them the wave. 
you can do that for another person being. Here's another one. It's really interesting. Seriously, try this one. Next time you go to the grocery store, park in the back of the lot. Park in the back of the lot. Why? What, what? That's stupid. Why do that? Because what is everybody's desire and will? To get as close as you can to the grocery store. So if you choose to park in the back, somebody else just got a great parking spot and you made their day. Right? And you might never know that. But here I can tell you this, man. It is so weird. Everything within my flesh goes, this is just stupid. I'm going to park back here. And I'm going to take, oh my gosh, it took me at least 10 more seconds to walk to the store. <laughs> but you know what it did? You know what it did? And I'm not kidding. Train yourself to be submissive, to put somebody else's desire above yourself. There are tons of general ideas like that. Just try those. It's crazy. Here's a second one. When you know what's right, shut up. And I should have listened to myself. I should have said this before, because I think I already did this this morning. I am horrible at this. I, I, seriously, when let someone else have their way, okay? When it really doesn't matter. Like I, I, it was so funny. I, I just think I'm. I think I know what's best. Anybody else think you know what's best? I, I just think I know what's best. So we, what I asked Susie about this this morning. It was hilarious. One time we were grocery shopping, and um, and she and we needed some eggs. And she bought a half a dozen eggs. And I'm like, that's, that's just stupid. Why? Because now we're going to have to come back, like, in two days and buy eggs again. Just buy the dozen eggs. Well, I had learned that this is what I do here. One of my biggest faults as a leader is I think I know. And so I like, tell people that I think you should do this. I, I did it again this morning. It's, I'm still working on it. But in that moment, I didn't say anything. I submitted to Susie's desire to buy a half a dozen eggs. We got in the car, and I was telling her about how I'm trying to get better at this at work, to, to submit to this stuff. And I, I said, you know, so it was interesting, because when you bought those half dozen eggs, I'm, I'm like, okay, and I just shut up, and I didn't say anything. She goes, I knew. I was waiting for you to say something. <laughs> and it, it, so I, asked her, so I asked her again today, like, I live in Sugar House, and 13th East is totally busted out. You can't, you can't get to my house. So we have to take another way, and there's this really easy way. You go just a couple streets, and then you take a left, and you can go. And Susie always drives past that, goes down to 15 where there's a red light, and then goes past that, and then comes back. I'm like, honey, why don't you just turn here? And I've never, and I've, I've submitted. And every time she does that, I don't say anything. <laughs> so I asked her about this morning, and I said, hey, honey, is that okay if I share that? She goes, yeah, because I don't know why you take that way. <laughs> and, and, and I'm not kidding, but this is what's weird. It actually trains me to be submissive, to let somebody do it that way. So if you're somebody who always thinks you know what's right, just shut up. It's a way to submit and train yourself to do it. And the last thing I just want, the last one, and seriously, practice these, you guys. Here's the third one. Whatever is your spouse's, if you have a spouse, a roommate, or your children, or your parents, what interest do you know they have that you don't have? And elevate it this week.
above yours. What interest does your spouse have? Do your kids have? Okay, dads, play with those Barbies. Get ready. What interest does your boss have? Does your co- whatever. But I want you to think about family or roommates, wherever you live. Whatever interest they have, elevate it above your own. Practice that. That is spiritual training. And it'll help you develop a peace in your heart. All right? So there you go. Train yourself to be godly and others before yourself. Because your mission, if you choose to accept it, if you actually want to follow Jesus and train yourself to be godly, which is what is right, and trust him in this, then you have to train yourself to be submissive. It is your mission to be submissive. And if you accomplish it, you guys, if you and I accomplish this, righteousness, a harvest of righteousness, things will start to be as they ought to be in your marriage and in your home and in your workplace. And you'll have peace. If you train yourself to do this, you'll have peace in your heart when your will is thwarted by another person or God because you don't fight for your way anymore. And that's life. So we're going to close today with communion today. We're going to take communion today. Jesus said to do this on a regular basis, to remember me, all right? So we have stations. We have them right here. We have one here, over here. They're also in the back at the top so that you guys can get to these. <clears throat> Here's what I want you to do when you take communion. Because remember, what you're going to remember here, Jesus said, remember, I love you. <laughs> remember how much I love you. Here's what I want you to remember this time. When you grab that cup, that blood, and that body, the first thing I want you to remember is the only reason Jesus actually did this is because he sat in the Garden of Gethsemane and sweated drops of blood in agony doing what? Submitting. God, I don't want to do this. God, I don't want to do this. Father, I don't want to do this. And then what did he say? But not my will be done, but yours be done. You are going to take the body and the blood of Christ. And Christ is the only one who always submitted. Always. And that's who you're going to say if you're a Christian and you're going to take communion. That's what you're going to say. I follow you, Jesus. So here's what you need to do. You can take the cup. You're going to go back to your seat. And I want you to hold that cup. And I want you to confess right now to Jesus. And say, Jesus, I just got to confess to you. I, here's where I am selfish. Here's where I want my way more than another person's way. I believe my way is better than my spouse's way. And I've been fighting for it. And I'm not submissive at home. And I'm talking men and women here. I value your life and your interests over my own. If you don't value your spouses or your kids or your mom or dads or your coworkers or your bosses, if you don't value their interests more than yourself, then you need to confess to Jesus and say, I'm not like you. Please forgive me. Please forgive me and cleanse me. And that blood, Jesus says, forgives you and cleanses you. And then when you take that body, this is the life of Christ given for you, the divine power that you need 
is Jesus. And you're going to take communion and say, Jesus, I want you in my life. Please give me the power as I walk out of here to submit both to God and to submit to each other. That's what I want you to do while you take communion. And then soak in these beautiful words as you do. At any time, you don't have to rush. Come at any time you want. Grab the elements, go back to your seat, take them, and then worship in this last song together.